On this episode of DLN Extend, we try and predict what 2021 has in store for Linux. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 39 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community from places like the DLN Discourse Forums, Telegram Groups, Discord Servers, and more. We also take topics from other shows around the network and give our takes. And welcome, everybody. I am here with one of my two fantastic co-hosts. We have the gang back all together. Nate, Wendy, I'm glad to be back and have you guys on as well. It's not quite as um, spicy around here without you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matt definitely keeps things lively, doesn't he? He's like like a shot of black pepper on anything. That's Matt. No, no, I'm just not here to be an enabler. You're still you're still around to be an able an enabler. Well, we'll get into that particular thing that I always get blamed for. Wendy, what have you been up to? I have bought myself, with the coaxing of my husband, a new Samsung tablet. It came out, or I was talking about what I had bought on the last episode of Hardware Addicts. It's arrived. I've got it out. I've played with it. I love the darn thing. And it's back to the time where I'm starting to look at laptops for the kids again, school-wise, and we're in that same loop as before. Prices on used ones are horrible. Prices on new ones are horrible. And I decided, okay, well, maybe I'll get tablets like I have for me for the kids for school because, of course, you know, mom gets a new toy. All of the kids have to play with it. They've been messing with mom's new toy, and I missed the super good sale that Samsung was doing on their tablet. They're no longer on the really good sale that they were having. I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do there. Originally, I had decided I was going to go with the Microsoft Surface devices. That's one of the things we've talked about on a past DLN Extend. And it was quite a while ago, we had some listener feedback. He's a a high school teacher in Japan. All of the teachers are using Surface Books. And one of the problems that John, this listener, has noticed is that the battery will swell and then it'll deform the screen. So nothing looks right and they don't work quite right because of that deformation. So thank you, John, for letting me know about that issue that you've been noticing with them because I definitely... I don't want to go that route while they haven't done the explode that Samsung phones had did with a battery too tight. I, d- I don't want the screen deformation either Ugh, with prices. I, I don't I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. Yeah, it's a tough time to be in the market for <laughs> really any piece of technology hardware. Yeah, well, and I wouldn't be looking so hard. But the Fire tablets that the kids have been using for some of their schoolwork Uh, One of the apps that they love to use, it's a math game called Prodigy. It will just crash on there and it has nothing to do with the app itself and everything to do with the tablet. You know, they are pretty cheap tablets. The inner workings of them really aren't that powerful. And it comes to show in apps like that, especially when they're running for long period of times. And, you know, the kids are getting really frustrated. I want them getting their schoolwork to be done as fluid and easily as possible so that we can move on to other parts of our days and not be fighting with technology. So having it still light and portable, something that we need, the current devices that we've been using for part of school aren't working out 
quite the way I'd like them to. It needs to be replaced. And that's even more frustrating when it's not like, well, we we can pull along for just a little bit longer. It's one of those situations where I'd really like to get them replaced as soon as possible. When when you say it needs to be replaced, like, uh, is there... How old are they? Well, they're really not that old, but they're the fire tablets. They were the 2018 version of them. And all of them are currently running Lineage OS. So they're not on the horrible Fire OS because that drugged them down so much more. They ran so much slower on Fire. They work way better on Lineage. And if you have one of the model that will take the root and ROM Lineage is a fantastic thing to have on and, and and they're great if you know they're just walking around the house listening to music or anything like that. But if it's something that's really starting to work the processor and eat the RAM, apps will crash. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, that, that's that's definitely an irritation when you have if, when those running out of RAM issues. I kind of wonder yes. if it's just because of poor web design or poor, I don't know, something with like, uh, you know, websites are just so memory hungry. I don't know what the deal is there, but yeah, that I mean, it's crazy how memory hungry everything is. I don't even want to look at something that's got less than eight gigs of RAM. Heck, my tablet that I just got has eight gigs of RAM in it. Yeah, it's almost like the the new bottom end is is eight gigs now, and to me, it shouldn't be. Like when you really think about it, I mean, I I don't know why. It's actually websites too. It's like most applications I find those are not memory hungry. It's like websites. Yeah, it's websites that suck RAM like nothing else. Yeah. So Nate, what have you been up to? Lots of things. I'm always up to something. Uh, usually no good. No, I'm usually good. I mean, usually good. My my previous employer gave me a laptop. Uh, it was a recently got like right before Christmas. It was kind of like you know Merry Christmas to me. And and when you, you did it admonish me just a bit for not opening it up, I kind of just let it sit for a couple weeks. So almost I was almost like a Michael. Uh, not quite on my hardware. I was trying to be a Michael because when my <laughs> tablet showed up, my uh, case wasn't going to be here yet or screen protector. And so I told myself uh-huh. I wasn't going to open it. It was supposed to arrive on a Wednesday. And then my case wasn't supposed to arrive until the following Monday. And I was like, you're going to leave it in the box. I didn't last 10 minutes. Yeah, that's understandable. But so you tried and, and you did. <laughs> I and tried. You failed, failed at being a mic. So anyway, I so when I opened it up and I saw that it was a laptop, I was actually slightly disappointed because I was waiting for my C64 Maxi. It's like a, a rebirth of the Commodore 64 that has HDMI and USB. That's another discussion. It wasn't that. It was a laptop. I'm like, eh, whatever. Uh, I don't need a laptop. But anyway, so you, you talk. You said, I need to open it up. I need to play with it. So I did. Open it up. I ran the installation process, you know, even reading through the EULA on Windows. And then after running it for about 45 seconds, I just couldn't do it. So I just installed OpenSUSE. Anyway, so I, I've been using a little bit. I, I'm really impressed by some things with it. One, it's, it's a 10th generation i5 in there. So obviously it's not the most powerful Intel. But it's not the weakest either. No, and it's, it's a little bit faster than my main machine now. Um, I, I do think my main machine seems to have more, isn't that my main machine is a fourth gen i7. Uh, it, d- it does seem to be in some ways faster. I don't know. I can't, I, I'm not really, didn't really do any, any actual real benchmarks. But uh, what I do like though, is uh, it does have this USB-C charging capability. To me, the, the big, this is like the, the big winner for me. Uh, I can bring one power supply unit that will charge my laptop, my phone, and like my kids' Nintendo Switch if we're on the go someplace. That's awesome. One chart, one one power supply to to rule them all is is a huge win. I love it. If I'm like upstairs with this machine, I you know just plug in the barrel jack. Actually, I don't even really have to think about it. I I don't really have it plugged in much of the day, and I'm using it pretty heavy. So that's pretty impressive in and of itself. Good battery. Yeah, it's really good battery life. It's a smaller battery than my Latitude, but doesn't suck as much power. So I decided that. 
I'm going to uh, retire my my latitude from on the go, like on the road type work, and then I'm going to use this machine for when I'm on the road. You know, since I'm away from you know my my workstation, whatever. So I need more RAM, uh, more more storage, and more RAM. I already have the one terabyte and NVMe, as Matt told me it was, and so it's a an 80 millimeter long PCIe business here that I don't really know a lot about them because I only play with old hardware typically. And then I ordered a 32 gigabyte DDR4 SODIM. So I will have more memory in this than my old machine by, you know, double. So I'm pretty excited. This is going to be, it's going to be nice. I can max max the thing out with 64 gigabytes of RAM, uh, but I don't need to worry about that right now. I don't know if the CPU is replaceable. I haven't taken the uh, all that off yet. And it might be, I'll, I'll find that out eventually. That'd be kind of cool if it is. Being able to upgrade everything is awesome. Yeah, I know my the, my latitude. You can do that. I'm not really a huge HP fan. I just, I've, I've had some HP laptops that have just really been stinkers, and so this is the first one I've actually liked. But I so I, I covered up the uh, HP logo in the back with an OpenSUSE sticker. Like I specifically bought stickers just to cover that up, and I got another sticker like right down just below the keyboard because you know sometimes if you're playing online with people and you just have like a 12 year old slaughter you, and in, in some game, and then they laugh at you, calling you an old man and whatever. Um, I just need something to be able to look down to and kind of bring a smile back to my face. Actually, Nate, something that you can get and smile down at is DLN network stickers. Oh, yes. I just ordered some, too. I can't wait for them to get here. So you should definitely add some uh, flair to your laptop. Ooh, flair. How much flair do I need? How many pieces of flair? <laughs> that know. is totally your, <laughs> totally for you. You're going to bedazzle the front of it, too? You know what? Bedazzling would be nice, but it might interfere with the closing of the laptop lid. Something else I do like about this this laptop too is it has a uh, a mechanical thing to actually block the uh, the camera. I thought that was pretty clever. It's a it's it's real small and it's built you know it's, it's all integrated, so that's pretty cool. And then also I decided that I do think a one ButterFS partition for the whole thing now. I think that's be the way I'm going to go for the future my future installs as opposed to having separate partitions of XFS and ButterFS. Um, I've been pretty impressed with how it's been handling on other older machines, like old uh, netbooks and such. So the only thing I don't like about this machine doesn't have an SD card reader anywhere on it. Yeah, unfortunately, in the world of making everything smaller, sometimes the SD card readers aren't on there. And I, I love having an SD card reader. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to do a dock station setup with this. I've, I've recently retired my my Dell Latitude D630 from active service. So I had a ceremony for it. But uh, so I'm going to do the dock station thing for this uh, elite book. And uh, because I can't quite let go of Dell, I got a Dell dock station and it works really well. Everything except for plugging a USB mouse into it. Don't have it figured out but it doesn't work. So everything else huh. works, but not a mouse. Yeah. Keyboards work, USB drives work, monitors work, mouse doesn't. So I don't know if that's an OpenSUSE issue or if that's a Dell a dock issue or if the, or what's going on there. It, everything registers properly and the, and the kernel messages. What about you, Matt? What's been going on since you've been gone? <laughs> work and that has been my life, unfortunately. Uh, no, like the, I've had intermittent downtime not enough to unfortunately be on the show and you know scheduling conflicts and constant changing schedules make it a little hard to make time zones work but now uh one of the things i've been doing is um i ended up making one of my machines a uh, like a linux game console like uh, so a web steam machine call it whatever you want when you turn it into a console linux gaming is a whole lot different because you're not viewing it from like the pc gamer mentality so you like you're not viewing it as a Windows replacement. You're viewing it as a console replacement that just happens to be DIY. You determine instead of like 
like Sony just announced that they're they're killing off all, uh, all production on the PlayStation 4s. Hey, look, I I can determine whether or not this is you know good, bad, upgrade, not. That to me is really intriguing because that's a whole level of control that I love, and the experience is actually really not that bad. I'm using Gamer OS. Nate would shame me because it's Arch. I would never shame you for whatever choice you make. I it's know. your choice. If if you like to run through a a field filled with landmines, hey, they're your legs. Do whatever you want. <laughs> that wasn't passive aggressive at all. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Nate, uh, you would like what uh, these guys, uh, uh, Gamer OS does. They they do almost a fedora silver blue kind of mentality to it. Okay, so it, it's solid core. You know, they they only update once a month, and it's a solid locked core basically. Um, so it's it's very appliance in that in, in the way they do it. I really like the idea of this. Yeah, I like the idea of this a lot. If I ever am able to upgrade my graphics card, you're gonna have to tell me more about this because the living room system that's what I want it to be. It's exactly what you're describing. The biggest issue I will tell you that I've run into personally, make sure you have a lot of storage that you put the system on. You can FS tab stuff onto to add more storage. But there's no default way to really do disk management other than mm. doing it that way. So because it bo- this literally boots into Steam Big Picture mode. But there are some cool things you can do. There's this app called uh, Steam Buddy. Really cool thing. It allows you to connect to FlatHub. So you can pull down certain flat packs and all that kind of stuff. I think there's a Spotify, Spotify, Firefox. Um, they have a few different games in there, like Zenotic, uh, which FYI, we have a Zenotic server up for those that want to uh, play some open sourcey Quake and you know Unreal tournament games. Totally fun to do with friends. Yes, and it's fun to watch Ryan continuously die because he's terrible at it. Uh, so, so it, it's there's a lot of interesting stuff that you can do with the system and. I wanted to see kind of how you could take a PC and make it a console. And instead of trying to put the, the square peg in the round hole, I wanted to actually put a use the, the round hole with the round hole kind of mentality. And yeah. it's actually really, really fun. Um, and I really do like it. Unfortunately, this gets me into what I've been trying to do this year. <laughs> with, with it being a new year, um, there's a little thing I started doing with a few people called Project Backlog. For those that don't know, I have well over a thousand games that I have not touched. So what I, my quote unquote New Year's resolution was to not buy a single game this year and any game I play is all my backlog. That's going to be wow. a tough one. That is, that is my resolution right now. But you bought the new Cyberpunk game before you made this resolution, right? No, I didn't. Oh! <gasps> Really? Nope. That totally surprises me because you were so excited for this game. It boiled down to I just couldn't justify having another game that I had to play. Like, I want to play it. Don't get me wrong. But I, I just can't be I, like I look at the games that I have on my my for my systems and my Steam library and all these other places. And I'm like, I can't justify <laughs> like I really can't. Well, good for you. And, oh, you have no idea how hard it was not to buy it. <laughs> So that that's been my thing. I'm not a huge gamer, as you very well know, but I I don't think I could even make that commitment to not buy a game in 2021. You also don't have the tremendous backlog that he has. 
You know, I was just thinking, I, I, I want to just check my library. I have 538 Atari 2600 games, and I've probably not played 400 of those in the last 10 years. Well, so as an example, on my, on, on my Steam collection, just from the stuff that I've weeded out thus far, for stuff I have not even touched, I have 423 games that I have not touched at all. That's just Steam. I've out of... That's not counting the 150 games that I've com- actually completed on Steam. Wow. Then there's then then there's a bunch of g- games that I, I like I ripped out that are like multiplayer only games, like different categories for stuff. That's just an example of like the backlog collection that doesn't count Epic and Origin and New Play and like all the other various services. So these are games you haven't played at all, or that you just haven't finished. These are games I haven't touched. Oh, so you would buy a game and then just not play it? Yes. When you get into like all the the humble bundles and everything else, there are a yeah. lot of bundle sites. So, oh, hey, look, $4 for, you know, 10 games. Your collection adds up really quick before you can pl- complete games. Huh. Yeah, Humble Bundle has definitely been a major source of adding games to my Steam library. Yeah, same here. Well, that doesn't count like, you know, obviously my console stuff. But anyway, that is uh, my project for the year. Um, me and a few other people are, are making challenges to others to that have a similar type of backlog. Um, I, I recently <laughs> tweeted out to uh, the Linux experiment that, hey, I know you have a backlog just as bad as I do. Maybe you should try this. <laughs> to which he, he's down for trying it. So. That's going to be a fun time. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. My wallet will not be crying anymore. <laughs> Very true. Absolutely. Well, the thing is, is it's so easy because I know I bought quite a few games at the end of last year. They looked really interesting and sales were going on. And I'm like, oh, it's 75 cents for this game and a buck for this game. Yeah, that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> my problem is a lot of the game, like my general interest is story heavy games. So like my games are not short games to play. Example, there's one I'm playing called the Zhuan Sword. It's a Chinese RPG. It's like a hundred plus. I've put in probably a hundred plus hours into that game since the beginning of the year. And I'm still not done. Or it sounds like anywhere near done. Uh, No, I probably have at least another 20 hours that I know of. Basically what happened is last year I counted how many I played and beat. I had 23 games that I beat all of last year. That was it. Wow. That was across everything. Console, PC, take your pick everything i played more but those are the ones i completed i bought a whole lot more (laughs) so that's where my like okay i need to chill out with this this episode of deal and extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service which is a solution to build modern cloud native apps with app platform you can build deploy and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point your GitHub repositories and let the app platform do all the heavy lifting. It has support for Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, and Docker. DigitalOcean runs all of their app platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with any other products. Plus, they built this new app platform on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup. As a listener to DLN Extend podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. Actually, better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you go to do.co slash DLN. Again, go to do.co slash DLN to get started with your $100 credit on top of DigitalOcean's new 
app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. Speaking of the new year and resolutions and everything else, comes a clean slate and with that comes fresh predictions for the year. We're looking at what we think is going to happen as 2021 rolls on with and in the Lennox sphere of thing. Wendy, what's one of yours? I am really sure that GIMP 3.0 will be released in 2021. It may not be out for like full use, but we will have a developer version that is usable, right? It may take a little bit more work to get it installed. Are there, is there a specific feature of GIMP 3.0 that you are really jonesing for? There's a lot of different things that I'm so excited for in GIMP 3.0. And a lot of that is that the changes that they're making to non-destructive editing. So we have bits and pieces of that that have been coming out since GIMP 2.10. Each point release has gotten better and better. And the non-destructive editing is the biggest part of making GIMP more usable for the masses, especially in a professional use of it. I know it's one of the reasons that Michael has not been a big fan of this application. And it used to be in certain cases that you'd do something, you'd save a version, you'd do something else, and then save another version of it. So next thing you know, you've got like five different versions of it. So if there's something you need to change, you can go back and change it on this version just in the way the editing was working. And they've already, especially with the clone tool and the hill tool, and I think a few other things, that non-destructive layer is there. And so we're, we're building on that and making it easier to make changes to the work without starting all over or without having to have six or seven versions of it as a backlog. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I would like to see that uh, one because I, I like the non-destructive editing. I've never used it in a graphical tool before. I mean, I've used it in video and audio editing and I use it in mechanical design, which I imagine then graphic editing is much the same, really. Yeah, and I, I've never used it for drawing. I've always used it in the photo editing side. And I know that's some of the reason why I've been able to use it in cases that Michael hasn't, just because our two different uses of the application. So for me, the the non-destructive side that they've already put in to the application has made it so much better and far more usable. I do like, like what I've been doing a lot in, in when I use GIMP is I'll actually create, I'll basically I'll clone a layer to um, make the modifications. And if I don't like it, then I'll just wipe it out and hide the, you know, hide the other layer, which that's probably not ideal. But to be able to actually go and have like a modification history, I guess, other than just undoing. Yeah, it is. It, well, and that's one of the things that I have not liked about raw therapy as a photo editor is it doesn't save that backlog of things that you change so you can just go undo something. For my first prediction for 2021, I think we're going to see some AMD-based like gaming or higher-end laptops by year's end from vendors like Dell, and they'll offer them with Linux like in the like they do with the XPS today. Because right now, like the, all their high-end stuff is Intel. Lenovo, their AMD offerings have like soldered on RAM. And I think that's, yeah. But I think that I think we're going to see some more AMD based, you know, with the, all their bells and whistles and, you know, more uh, quality machines, not just like their value machines by year's end. I, I'm excited to see that. Uh, not that I'll be in the market for it, but it'll be nice to see some more things come out. And like Tuxedo, last year they released some uh, AMD based machines that are really nice. I would say you, know, you could call them flagship machines. And that's great. And I love it. 
but I think that the um, the, the big dogs are going to start getting in on the uh, the AMD craze as well. That's my number one prediction by year's end. If I'm wrong, we'll find out on December 31st of 2021. <laughs> I, I can see them getting into that because it, it would be silly for them not to be offering more AMD-based laptops. They have made themselves a really good spot in the market as a whole in processors and not offering models that have AMD is just silly to me. Yeah, well, the, for me, the thing is like I've been, you know, I'm in the market eventually, probably sometime next year, actually, to or this year, uh, to get a new laptop like that. I upgrade probably every two or three years. The AMD offerings are the things I'm looking at. I'm not looking at Intel. Like it's, I see an Intel, I'm like, ah, no, I'm good. Uh, so for me, I'm really curious to see what they're gonna do because right now, most of the AMD offerings is is an AMD processor with usually either integrated graphics, so your your Vega graphics, or it's running on a NVIDIA dedicated. There's no actual dedicated AMD offering. The one company that's actually looking to do that, ironically, is System76 from the one I've seen. I, I know, Nate, you're talking about the, the bigger players actually getting on board with this they're actually looking i think it's the pingo ping, uh, i don't actually remember the name <laughs> they're actually looking to be offering a straight up amd system dedicated gpu you know ryzen obviously for the cp that makes me so happy oh my goodness <laughs> that, that, that to me i was like you know what i would pay the premium for that machine yes absolutely I think what what we've been seeing is the the market trying to readapt after years of oh it's Intel and Nvidia Intel and Nvidia like that's what it was so it, I think it's taking longer for AMD Radeon chips to actually get into kind of gaming sector of the of the market so I, I'm definitely hoping that we get we get those Nate well we'll find out so when I say big dogs I mean like Dell HP but you know I think if if System seventy six releases one this year I would like to consider that to be a win and I'm right on my prediction. <laughs> You're just trying to give yourself a, <laughs> an out just in case. I know what this is for. <laughs> well, when it comes to Linux laptop manufacturers, I would say that they are one of the big dogs. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, definitely. But I don't mean just just the Vega graphics. I mean like like a dedicated AMD GPU as well. You know, you know what I mean? Like a dedicated. Yeah, yeah. Th that's what I mean. So just, just so we're clear on what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking a top to bottom AMD system with an actual like I don't want to call them real graphics cards, but like like a separate <laughs> separate die and just yeah. discrete GPU, discrete GPU with its own memory and its own everything else. Awesome, I like that prediction, and probably about the only one we ever get we actually get right to, to on this. But hey, whatever. That way we can say Nate. You know, if you're batting, you know, 333, that's actually good in baseball. So we, we can use that, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So mine actually kind of goes along with what you're talking about, Nate. Uh, mine is actually more affordable Linux hardware. And when I say affordable, I'm not talking cheap as in, oh, hey, we threw Linux on this low end like Celeron machine, which is usually what the, the bigger players in the past have done. I'm talking about five to seven hundred dollar demo. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm using US dollars here right now, so I'm not looking at EU dollars and all that stuff. Um, for me, I think that's the sweet spot that we still haven't hit. 
Uh, we've we've gotten close with uh, I believe it was Slimbook that came out with the Slimbook Essentials. Really cool. I would like to see the AMD offerings on that. The ideal sweet spot for me. Like, give me an AMD G, uh, CPU, you know, top to bottom system, but in that price point, because we've seen offerings from other, you know, the bigger players like Acer and some of these other guys that hit that price point. And, you know, some of it has to do with scale and, you know, what they can buy and that, you know, the smaller guys can buy and stuff. But I think if we can get that and have a better buying experience, because like, like Wendy, in your case, uh, you mentioned trying to buy like a Pinebook Pro. Uh, yeah, it, it's not always the easiest thing in the world. Well, and some of that has to deal with the funky supply issues that we've had throughout 2020. And so that's leaving the beginning of 2021 still kind of in that that funk of not being able to buy stuff. So all of these predictions really count on supply getting equaled out. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing is we don't know what the supply issue is going to look like. Like, let's be real. If you're looking at laptops right now, most of them are going to be in not the really affordable range. Yeah, that's for sure. You'll find the deals here and there, but it's rough. It wasn't like it was, you know, six months ago where you can go buy a, a Ryzen 5 laptop from, you know, like a 3500U or something from Walmart that was actually decent for $300. You're not going to get those deals very often. Specifically Linux hardware, like Linux OEMs. Uh, I'm not necessarily talking about the bigger players. They're going to get into the AMD end of things more on their own, but I'm talking about Linux specific OEMs, System76, um, Tuxedo, those guys. I, I think they they will be looking at that more affordable hardware range. That is really where everyday users, mom and pop, come whatever you want, really fall budget-wise. Not, not so much like impulse buy, because usually those are not great systems. Just above where you kind of like, okay, I got to save for a bit kind of systems. I think that's kind of where the sweet spot is that is really underserved right now on the on the Linux hardware end of things for like Linux specific OEMs. Just so I'm clear, somewhere between mom and pop and impulse buy. Impulse buy to me is no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, impulse buy to me is like when you look at like a game console, those ten, like, you know, the 300 like game console. For some, most people that's going to be generically at the high end of their impulse buy. I'm not, I, pers- I personally wouldn't do that, but the stuff that's just a little out of that range. So you're talking the, the $500, the top of the line Xbox is 500 bucks, not, not the $300. So you might have to save for couple of weeks or whatever, you know, however long it takes you to accumulate that. Well, for me, it's not saving money. It's it's actually prying the money out of my, <laughs> my wallet is really the issue. The, the, the problem is we have like this $1,000 plus end of like the Linux, like OEM market. And I think that's where the, we have a really underserved market that I was looking for. Good hardware, but I'm not going to spend $1,000 for a eight gigs and a Core i5. <laughs> <laughs> like right, with, exactly. with, with no dedicated GPU, like there's just no way they found their their niche in the, for a particular market. But I think it, there's another market that is underserved that might be much bigger if they they serve like that five to seven hundred dollar market. Well, I'm all for that. I mean, I, I hope that prediction comes true just for selfish reasons. Well, well yeah. I mean, I want do I do I do I want like an eight or sixteen core Ryzen laptop for fairly cheap? Yes, I do. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think you're going to get that, but if you got like a four 
eight core Ryzen laptop that performs well, that has a decent amount of memory. I do know that manufacturers, their bread and butter is that I think eight to $1,200 range. Much below that, they don't make a whole lot. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a factor of scale and all the other stuff. All right. Wendy, what's another prediction you got? I'm the one who actually needs to make this prediction come true. And it's something that my husband has been after me to do for almost a whole year now. And that is, I predict that a separate camera corner will actually launch on the network this year. What? No. My, my goal originally was to, you know, have this started by mid 2020 and life happened and, and it didn't. The show didn't happen. And I know I've been asked by several different members of the community who are really interested in a dedicated camera corner podcast. It's going to happen in 2021. We will get camera corner on the network. So I kind of feel like this topic is, or this, this prediction is cheating a little bit because you kind of have the cards in your hand. And now I'm all, fa- I'm all in favor of this prediction coming true, but I'm just saying. Okay, so I've got this problem of procrastination, right? <laughs> it's not procrastination. It's actually, you dynamically reprioritize and sometimes things fall down. Yes, and this is one of those things that has kept falling down. The worst thing about starting a podcast is when you have these different things at your fingertips and you're like, but everything has to look right on the video side, so I need to get all of this done so it looks great. And you spend so much time fussing over the looks, which has been my problem, that I haven't just put it out there. One thing that I need to do is just stop being a perfectionist when it comes to maybe how it looks in the very beginning. Just get started. Just get started. So I, I need all of you to tell me, hey, where's Camera Corner? Didn't someone once say like perfection can be the enemy of progress or something, something like that? Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Wendy, where's Camera Corner? That's a good question, Matt. Where is Camera Corner? So do we have to start like, like interrogating you every week to say, so where are you at today? Or is that going to like cause friction? It won't cause friction. Right now I am asking you to badger me about this so it gets done oh Deal. i can ba- i can badger just ask michael yes yes absolutely that's one of the things that i've seen him do is be like hey guys if i'm not getting something done tell me i'm not getting it done this is one of those cases where i'm saying hey i want this to happen and in order for this to actually get started and be a thing i need people asking where it's at oh don't worry we'll bug you every time we record that perfect i'll just put it in my calendar to you know, as a task so this way I can get a little check, really easy check mark every Wednesday. All right. So another one of my predictions, I think that we're going to see greater adoption in Linux for the engineering applications. I've said this every year, and I think to some extent it, it has been more or less a specific prediction, not just like in general, not, not, not a fuzzy one, but Autodesk will support Linux in one of their mechanical CAD packages by the year's end. I think Fusion 360 is super close where it could be supported in Linux. It's not a stretch, but it could actually happen. It doesn't necessarily have to be Autodesk and Fusion 360, but it could be some other major manufacturer like a SolidWorks or a PTC creating a CAD package and supporting it in Linux. I'm hoping this happens for selfish reasons. If it doesn't happen, not a big deal. I can still, you know, faff with Lutris and make Fusion 360 work. But there are times when it breaks because of an upgrade and that's really irritating and you have to kind of go through the process again. I do think that there's there's more and more things that where Linux has become the standard, like like a lot of uh, electronic circuit design. I just learned of one today that, uh, that is pretty much industry standard where you actually create the circuits and it automatically ensures that things are properly spaced 
and you can actually get a 3D representation of your circuits with components actually attached already. And it is an open source application for doing electronic circuit design. It's it's like KiCad, K-I-C-A-D. Uh, it's a cute based. I haven't played it yet, but it looks really awesome. I, 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 the renderings it does is, is pretty great. It sounds awesome. Yeah. So because yeah, you can actually then see if are your components too close together that you can't actually solder it or that they won't actually fit. It actually checks all that for you. That is really cool. With like, a, I know there's professionals that I know that do controls design, like control control engineers that do design for for, for cabinets and whatnot. They design the um, their circuit boards or PCBs using Linux or open source applications. So it's just a matter of time at this point where I think that you'll see the mechanical side also just as much in on Linux. It, just, it, just, it has to. I mean, it's just it's it's an it's an inevitable course at this point. So I think by year's end, just to make sure it's clear that there'll be a major mechanical CAD package that'll be available in Linux. It'd be like 2006 all over again. Yeah, let's not go that far back in Linux. Thanks. <laughs> it wasn't so bad. I wasn't even around in Linux in 2006, so I, I honestly can't. You would have went back screaming to, to Windows or Mac, not going to lie. <laughs> I don't know. I was pretty dang frustrated with Windows when I started looking. That's why I said Mac. I thought Linux was great in 2006, actually. My other prediction for this year, we'll finally figure out easy anti-cheat on Linux. <laughs> Linux gaming can at least evolve a little bit more. Is that a bridge too far? Uh, or do you think there's some there's some movement on that? There's been some movement on it. There's been instances where it works and then it doesn't like things like BattleEye and Easy Anti-Cheat and those kind of softwares update. The methods that have worked break. I'm talking we'll find uh, something will be done where it doesn't break every time it updates. I'm not saying it's going to be officially supported because that Epic has shown that they don't care about desktop Linux. So I'm, I'm saying that the community as a whole will end up eventually finding a way to be like, ha, it works. We went. This anti-cheat that has not been working on the Linux side is one of the reason why some people still dual boot so they can play games that require this anti-cheat software. Mm -hmm. That that would be awesome if it was figured out on the Linux side. Well, then that means you, we would finally stop hearing, well, you can't play Fortnite. You can't play X. Why, you know, right. in input in big game here, what this allows is be like, okay, we can play it now. What, what's your argument? More Linux love. <laughs> exactly. And if it comes from the community, cool, whatever. You know, the community has given us great things like Lutris with regressions occasionally in Proton. I don't think it's impossible. I just think it will take the, the easy anti-cheat people and people like BattleEye to not continuously try to break the system. Do you think they do that on purpose to just break break Linux compatibility? Like that that's a goal for somebody to break Linux compatibility or do uh, it just happens? Honestly, from what I've seen is I I legitimately think these guys think that if you're using Linux, you're hacking. Like that that's the mentality from what it seems like from a lot of these guys. They think you're hacking as in you're you're hacking by playing the game or that's all you that you use Linux for is yeah, to hack. You're you're trying to hack the game. That mentality is quite frankly stupid. Most Linux users are going to be we just want to get stuff done. Nate, do you want to get stuff done on your on your hardware? Well, of course. That's that's all, that's why I use Linux because you can't do it in Windows. Precisely. You know, we actually have that whole old school Apple thing of like think differently because we use computers differently. And the, the, the available options are not options for us. Yeah, I like to think outside the bun. Um, <laughs> I like to actually go outside of Windows, literally. Exactly. Wow. I didn't say outside because that, that, that means interacting with people and they can stay over there. <laughs> but I, I think that's going to be the biggest thing is if we can get the easy anti-cheat stuff, that would be amazing and a big push forward for Linux gaming. 
Well, I'm in favor of all that. I think that would be fantastic because it'd be nice to actually recommend, hey, yeah, you can just use Linux. You don't need Windows for these games. Hopefully someday. That is the hope. And then, and then when the, you know, your kids might be able to play, uh, you know, the school edition of uh, Minecraft. Yes. You know, we still have the one machine that can go back and forth between Windows for that reason. Well, it's on Linux almost all the time anymore. Yeah. <laughs> even my daughter doesn't even like to boot into Windows to do that part of the class. And we've reached That's this point that it's been just long enough since she's booted in to use Minecraft education that I'm scared to boot into the, the Windows partition of it because I, I really don't want to deal with the update. I don't have time for that crap. Like, I just... Ugh. Wendy, you have been spoiled by the update systems and even Arch-based systems. Say what you will about them. They, yes. They, they, even Arch systems are still better than the Windows update procedures. I'm I'm not arguing that. Yeah, I can choose when I do it. And it's it's so frustrating the last few times being in Windows in general. And it's you get so used to having the repos. And I love them so much that anything, any system that I can't just pull what I need from the repo I, I don't have time for that but one day they have a repo it's called the windows store <laughs> yeah but there's all kinds of stuff that you need to run programs that isn't in that darn thing it's ridiculous i know right <laughs> Not the sarcasm. Going through shady websites, trying to figure out where you can get this thing you need. And then I reached the point where I'm like, nope, I'm done. Mm, not happening. We don't need that that bad. No, uh, I, I definitely feel you there. I feel your pain. Um, unfortunately, you know, being a gamer, I still have to keep a Windows system around. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden, the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital, sensitive information. It is not only open source, but has also had third-party auditing on the source code. This is why I've chosen Bitwarden for my password manager. It's easy to get started. Just go to bitwarden.com DLN. The big question is, why do I need a password manager? And that's a good one. Why do you? Well, I'll tell you. Using password123 on all your accounts is just not a good security practice. Also, having the same password for everything is a terrible idea. Remembering all the variations is nearly impossible unless you have some kind of a super memory. And a super memory is something I do not have. And storing passwords on sticky notes or in a spiral bound notebook is not only inconvenient, it also is a bit lacking in security efficacy. Therefore, I have chosen Bitwarden. This is a password book that I can take with me anywhere. I can have it on different computers, different browsers, on my mobile. Not only is it a safe place for passwords, but also identity and financial account information as well. This feature got me out of a pretty serious jam recently when I had an issue with some safety controls on one of my accounts. I needed to use another card to pay for the rest of the service. Since I didn't take that card with me anywhere, I didn't have it on me, but I did store the information on Bitwarden. I remembered I did this, so I pulled up that account information, paid for the service, and ultimately prevented what could have been a serious life interruption. You can get started with Bitwarden by going to bitwarden.com DLN. It's free to use, but if you want to level up and go for the premium features for only $10 a year, not only will you support a great open source project, but also you will unlock premium password security and management features. Bitwarden has saved my bacon numerous times. Now, you wouldn't be able to pry it out of my cold, dead device. We'd like to thank Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. All right, so those are our predictions for Linux and 2021. Shifting over to what we've actually been up to in the current. The one thing I have always done is 
talked about games that work on Linux. This time, I'm not going to be giving game quote unquote recommendations. I'm going to be giving game updates on like what I'm playing as opposed to like, hey, you should play this. This is, this is part of that whole project backlog. I'm going to integrate some of that into this section. It's still going to be enabling, just saying. <laughs> it, it's going to be enabling, but in a different way. I'm not saying, hey, you should go buy this, which is what I did prior. This is, hey, I've played X this far into this game. That... <laughs> to me, that sounds much the same because if I don't have the game and you're saying, hey, I'm playing this game, I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to have to look that up now. And it's so fantastic. Well, whether or not you buy it, it's still your problem. I'm still going to be an enabler regardless. It's just how I'm enabling is different. It's a different flavor of enable. So, you know, it's still chocolate or it's still whatever. It just has doesn't have maybe the same, you know, brownie bites or something. It's like going from Little Debbie brownies to Little Debbie cosmic brownies. Same kind of thing. Exactly. Just a little different. So what are you playing this week? <laughs> this current this current episode that I, we are doing, uh, I am actually playing, and I'm going to butcher this because it's a Chinese name, Juan Sword, The Gate of Firmament. This is a, for those in the likes community that are going to complain, it's a Chinese developed RPG. They're from Taiwan, chill out. This deals with like a lot of uh, Chinese mythology and that kind of stuff. It's a really like unique setting because it, it talks about like dream worlds and gods and you you kind of travel in between different realms of you know the dream realm and the the realm of the gods and the human realms and it incorporates everything into that and it's just uh so far it's been a really fun game to play it it looks like a kind of like a high-end ps2 game not gonna lie like graphically it's not always the best there are some screenshots that i've taken and some of the scenes look really really good so it's one of those like you take it for what it is in that regard the character models aren't the highest end thing but some of like the the art design and the way that the scenes are set up when they do like certain cut scenes and stuff look amazing the the scenery is very unique it's not a lot of the same stuff that you would find in a typical shooter or any of that kind of stuff so that that's a lot of the reason why i really like this game art designed to me if done well can make me overlook certain limitations of say a development of budget or something and that's the, pretty much what this game does for me and the unique setting as my nine-year-old would say it's not about the graphics it's about the fun from out of the mouths of babes true that uh but from actually for me it's about the stories like, like I'm a story, I'm a story heavy gamer. So like that, that's where I tend to. That falls into gameplay. And yes and no. For some people, uh, for some people, they look at gameplay as just strictly game interaction. You know, the mechanics of the game. For some people, story is a totally separate element. Well, it's still about the fun. Exactly. That part, I'm having fun. That's what I've been playing. Uh, you can actually, so for me to be the enabler, quote unquote, now that you guys always say I am, you can usually get this game for like 15 bucks. Just to give you an idea of how many hours I have into this, I have over 100 hours and I'm still not done. Just say it. That's a long game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, add another 68 hours and it'll be an entire week of gameplay. That's crazy. For one game. All right. So what about you, Wendy, though? What, what are you going to enable us with? Usually it's either hardware or some type of software for stuff that I usually get yelled at for. Well, it's a little bit of both software and hardware. 
I mentioned earlier about the new Samsung tablet that I have and that it has the pen, the drawing feature, which is one reason that I wanted it. And I was going through some of the different art stuff that you can do on it and realized that Krita has an Android version now. I and the children have been playing with it on the tablet and oh my gosh, they've really done a good job bringing this desktop application, fantastic application by the KDE team and brought it to mobile devices. I have used different drawing applications using the Wacom, Wacom, depending on how you want to say it, tablet and on the computer. And the advantage of having a touchscreen device like a tablet and doing the same kind of drawing is it almost feels like you're drawing on paper or whatever. You can see directly how you're writing instead of my hand is down here, but I'm looking up as I'm drawing, right? There's a little disconnect between how we learn to draw. And this kind of brings technology and drawing together. Fantastic open source application that came to mobile devices in 2020. They have a new version that they hope to be putting out the beginning of 2021. So Crit is only getting better as we jump into the new year. If you haven't tried it out on a mobile device, I, I wouldn't pick like a super small screen, right? Using your phone or something it may not be the best. I'd really recommend this for tablet style devices because you still have all of your tools on the sides. So if your screen isn't quite big enough, so you can move that stuff around, it, it might be a little too compact, but bigger screens are definitely better still for this type of application. If you have a device that you can use this with, check it out. They're doing a great job. And I would love to see some more donations go to this project and, and keep it running and keep updates to mobile devices going. No, that's awesome. I'm glad uh, kids and you have found that. Crit is a great app. Uh, I don't think it gets enough love sometimes in the community. I enjoy using Crit uh, specifically for like using my way. I always said Wacom, but Wacom. I like Wacom tablet better. It sounds more fun. <laughs> I never know it's, how it's to like say more like it. like a game. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I've, I've used it and it works really nice because it, it actually senses like different pressures and everything else that you're putting on the pen or the, whatever it's called. Yeah. The writing device. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. So I, I had no idea they had a, a mobile app at all until, um, until now. Well, oh. it's one of those things that if you're already using on the desktop, then you can now continue to cross-platform use it. So they do have a, a Windows version and they are working on a Mac version, which means no matter what you're using, once they get the, the Mac version out, you can use the same app across all of your many devices for whatever reason that you need to use that device, but still have the same UI and this amazing open source project. Wendy, you mentioned about, you know, making sure, you know, you donate, be it time or money, depending on which one you have available to you, obviously. Something I would like to, to point out. Crit is actually available on Steam, so it's always up to date. Oh, that's awesome. I had no idea of that either. There is a, te the, it's it's like the Windows Store. It's a $10 charge, but it supports the project. It always is up to date every time they update the Steam one. That to me was like, that is worth the $10 right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, they make it real easy then to, to you know, help out the project. And it's, it's kind of a win-win a situation, really. Exactly. Just a recommendation. If anybody's looking for uh, always a up-to-date version of Krita and you you know you don't want to mess with PPAs or the AUR, just go to Steam. It's 10 bucks. 
it's really worth it. Nice shout out. Yeah, well done. All right, Nate, what's going on in your neck of the woods? It's, you know, the end of Christmas time uh, and on the time that we're recording today's epiphanies. It is the last night I'll have my Christmas light display up and I'll be transitioning to a winter light display. But I, I do want to say that for the uh, the Christmas light, uh, there was a competition in my town and I had no idea there was gonna be a competition until uh, someone told me about it. Someone submitted my my light display to to the uh, the city, the, the public school system. And so the superintendent uh, and, and whatever staff with him went and evaluated all the different Christmas light displays on the uh, outdoor Christmas light displays on the homes. And I happened to win first place. And I wasn't planning or expecting any of it. So it was kind of a nice bonus. It was a, uh, I, I won a hundred dollar gift card to like a, a, a local, it's called a Meyer. I don't know if you have Myers anywhere near you, but they're kind of like a Walmart based out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Anyway, so uh, I, was, I was really excited about it. But the on the day of when they're coming by to do like the this Facebook live thing, my light display kept blowing fuses on the board. So it's drawing more than five amps for, for one of the circuits. Literally just minutes before uh, they show up, I am I have my computer system basically kind of pulled apart and I'm doing some soldering some like to uh, provide power around the board it's it's totally safe to do. I fused it uh, around the board so that I could have uh, I, the, the basically the fuse wouldn't blow. And that's when I just determined that uh, I need to redesign how I do the entire control system because it's uh, not easy to work on. I made it nice and compact so it wouldn't be so it wouldn't be a, a huge safe eyesore. Space. Right, you had a safe space. And and now I, I see the faults in my design and now I'm going to redo a bunch of stuff on it probably come springtime. But uh but yeah, so I'm, I'll be switching it over from a winter uh, from, from a Christmas to a winter so my house will be light, uh, white and blue, you know, kind of different shades of blue and whatnot instead of the multicolored because I still like the light, the light makes me happy and I, I'd like for the stuff to turn on. I was actually considering doing maybe a couple of the sequences that are not Christmas related just because I don't know where I'll find the time. So maybe if I have like a a, a night where I just kind of like, I get a night of inspiration. I'm, I might do that. So I, I, have a, I have a couple in mind that I would do, but yeah, that, that, that's, that's going on. I'm, I'm constantly playing with uh, things that are Linuxy and uh, that's just yet another, another way that I integrate Linux into my, my daily life. Congratulations on the win. Yeah. Well, thank you. If I had done nothing, I'd be $900 ahead, but you know, whatever, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but it brings you joy and you're learning as you're doing all of this cool light stuff. It is. And I've actually been approached by several people now saying, hey, can you replicate or do something like this for me? And, uh, and now, I, I, now I have basically, I, this is why I need to clean up my, uh, my system from being just like a science experiment to being a product. And that's a difficult transition to go from a experiment to a product. And I'm, I'm working on a lot of that to make sure that I can do this correctly. You know, like, term, uh, like using terminal blocks and, and so forth and properly fusing things, not just using an auto fuse, like an automotive fuse in like a little rubbery thing. I don't know if you've seen those before, like at a get an auto zone or whatever to, to fuse things, but actually have a proper terminal block with everything. So yeah, it'll take some time, but I'll get it figured out. I'm curious to see how it kind of comes together with your changes. So definitely keep us up to date on that. Yeah, I, I'm actually recording some video and taking pictures of it so I can hopefully actually do a video on this. Uh, I, I have enough footage right now, but I want, I want to go from the science experiment to an actual product because I think I learned a lot in the last year about what what's not a good idea. And I can share it. Nice. Awesome. We would like to continue the discussion with you on Telegram and Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for more information on how to connect with all the social channels and all our shows and creators at DestinationLinux.network. For more information on where you can find me, you can go to cubiclenate.com. Links to my regular written blatherings podcast and YouTube channel can be found there. And you can follow my random ramblings on Twitter at MattDLN. I am currently looking for a new social media outlet that doesn't have really funky stuff 
in their descriptions on what they can turn on and off on your phone. So if you've got any suggestions, drop them in the discourse forum, the discord, or the telegram group. We will be back next week for another fantastic episode of Deal and Extend. Tell them, have a great week, everyone. See you. Later.